You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. My grandfather picked me up and took me to see Metallica and Korn at the uh, Great Western Forum. Um, I that was the first live concert. I think I was 11 years old, um, and they were on the Load tour. And Corn uh, was just breaking out at the time. I mean, they had some success, but they were they weren't the 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 juggernaut that they would later be. Just in the matter of a couple of years, I feel like after they did that tour with Metallica, and. Uh, yeah, that was a it was a great experience. I remember distinctly my grandfather sitting next to me and falling asleep, and it was amazing. He did that with everyone. Though. So again, I have two older brothers, and they got to go to some other really cool concerts too. My my grandfather used to work uh, staff pro, and so he'd get uh, uh, discounted tickets for us, and he'd take us to different concerts. And then he wasn't working staff pro anymore by the time I got to go to concerts with him. But he he. Uh, he had the tendency, even though he was really a metalhead and loved the music, he just had a tendency to just like sit there and fall asleep to this live heavy bands just going nuts. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you guys had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did, because just last week I released three collaborative brews. That's right. I dropped Vox and Overhops, the Double Dry Hop New England IPA with Overhop Canada. This glorious collab returned last week and I'm super stoked about that. It's just as delicious as the first time and I'm so stoked that it's back. I also dropped a very very cool black IPA with the wonderful humans from Microbrasserie Luxbrun. This is a 7.2% dark ass IPA. It was so malty and rich that they added a bunch of pineapple puree to it to liven up the tropical profile and balance it out. It's really killer and uh, I'm super stoked about that one. I also dropped Brutal Juice, the Imperial Fruited Sour, which was brewed by Brewski in collaboration with Zab Coffee. Brewski is one of Montreal's sickest breweries, and Zab is one of the sickest coffee roasters. It was a no-brainer to pair them together to create Brutal Juice, the Imperial Fruited Sour, with black raspberries, black currants, blackberries, and maple syrup. This monster clocks in at 8.5%, and it is oh so smooth. I'm so stoked that all three of these collabs happened. This Vox and Hops episode is brought to you by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on one of Montreal's sickest metal festivals. And trust me when I say this, it's the absolute truth. I have played festivals all over the globe, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. They are now starting to schedule some concerts for this coming fall. I'm very excited about that. They got Ginger scheduled. They also got All Them Witches. They got some more stuff coming up, and you should definitely go and buy your tickets now via the link in the description of this podcast if you're planning on going to either of these shows because these suckers will sell out. I'm so stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Last week I took some time to introduce a new Vox and Hops crew member. I'm going to do the same thing today. I'm very, very excited to announce that Mihela Petrescu has joined the Vox and Hops crew as my official photographer. She is phenomenal. She is actually the photographer that did the original photo shoot when I launched Vox and Hops. I'm super honored to have her join the crew. She is one of the best photographers out there, and I'm so, so stoked to work with her. Uh, I can't introduce her any better than she can introduce herself. So here, right now, is Mihela, letting all of you Vox and Hops heads know a little bit more about her. So I'm a photographer for over 10 years now. I've shot a bunch of shows I've shot for labels for promoters for so many people um, I've started shooting for Torium magazine then at some point I've started to get to work for Voir um, I worked for Decibel I've worked for um, many bands um, I've worked for uh, Nickel Blast at some point as well um, I got to be lucky to be a 70,000 tons photographer also this year for 2020 before the pandemic started. And soon I'm going to launch my brand, which is going to be called Mihan Tour. Uh, you can actually find me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, basically, the point is going to be to be like a content creator for behind the scene. I should say it's actually more not just focused on the bands, but what's happening with the bands. You know, um, the point of 
Mihon tour, it's not going to be only on tour. So the word tour here is touring of anything you can think about. Being, you know, just like you and me, Matt, we're going to eat at a restaurant and let's see what Matt Nagaki loves, you know. Um, it's basically to show the world how the music industry is for real. Hell yes. I'm so, so stoked to have Mihela as a part of the crew. Uh, we've been working on a whole bunch of really, really cool stuff, and there's more to come. I'm so excited about this new Vox and Hops crew family. Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review, because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, and that will be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I am very stoked to be with Johnny Christ of Avenge Sevenfold, and he's also the host of the Drinks with Johnny podcast. This is Vox and Hops episode number 256. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Johnny Christ of Avenge Sevenfold and Drinks with Johnny. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Super stoked to have you. I always like to start things off with a very easy yet complex question of uh, how did you cope with the glorious year of 2020? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, cope with it. I guess uh, I guess just uh, doing my podcast kind of helped me. I'm kind of a big extrovert, so it mm. was kind of it was kind of tough for me to not do all the things that I wanted to do. Um, but uh, through these Zoom chats, luckily enough, we were able to have technology out there. I mean, it's been around for a couple of years, but no one really knew about it until all this stuff started happening. So, uh, but uh, yeah, now that we're using it, and uh, it's been it's been great being able to still stay connected to uh, new people and old friends and uh, things of that nature. So, I mean, that's, that's helped me through. And then, you know, luckily I have a, a young son and a, and a wife and there's a, you know, I wasn't just stuck in a house by myself. You know, we were able to, you know, a lot of people could have it a lot worse. You know, I've got a, I've got a decent sized house and places where we could go into different rooms and stuff and uh, get creative. Um, you know, early on there was a lot of getting blue tape out and, setting up obstacle courses for my son around the house and stuff, but uh, going in the pool, things of that. So I, I can't complain too much, man. It wasn't, it wasn't that hard for me to cope. The, the main thing was not being able to get out around people. Absolutely. But it, it was a blessing. I have young children as well uh, to have a whole summer at home, not out there playing the festivals as we normally yeah. do as musicians. It's almost a blessing yeah. to have a whole summer off and it's not our decision to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a silver lining, I guess, really. I mean, it's just like, well, I didn't really have a choice in the matter, but here I am. So let's just enjoy it. Let's be in the moment. You know, that's kind of the idea, right? Absolutely. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What drink do you have on your side there today, Johnny, that we're going to be sharing? Well, I got a, I got a beer that was, uh, that was recommended to me by Mr. Keggs. Um, I, I, I've, I've, uh, I've become friends with a couple of the employees there. So I, I go over there and I'm like, what do you guys got new? So I'm probably going to butcher the name of this. This one's called uh, Brower, Brower Ridge. It's a new one out of uh, Los Angeles, and it's called, it's their Bounce West Coast IPA. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice because uh, I also have a West Coast IPA, which is actually interesting because uh, nice. here in Montreal, where I'm from, it's, you know, new the New England IPA haze craze yeah. is completely just blown up is on fire all the breweries are doing that right now so so I'm stoked to see a, a west coast when a brewery does yeah. that this is a killer killer young young brewery they just won third best brewery in the world new brewery in the world on ratebeer.com so massive cheers to Saint Baron this is their Cypress I'm going to crack this uh, let's talk a little bit about beer let's talk about your first beer Johnny do you remember the first beer you ever drank whoa that's going back uh, I'd like to say that it wasn't as young as I was but if I'm being honest uh, yeah it was I want to say I snuck my first beer when I was probably about 12 years old and if I remember correctly, it was a bass, which is um, yeah, yeah. a lager, like, a, you know, a, 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 one of the le uh, least expensive lagers out here, I would say. And I think we snagged it from uh, an adult's fridge and went to a park and actually shared it with a buddy of mine that was, uh, you know, um, into it as well. And 
you know, we had like a few sips of it and we're like, oh man, I'm so fucked up. And I was like, no, I'm not. This is, <laughs> but uh, I, I believe that was, that was probably my first beer ever. Very, very cool. Uh, close to my first experience as well, being a little too young, uh, sharing stuff with your friends. It's always like that. Uh, cheers. Thank you for coming. Having a, cheers, a drink yeah. with me. Thanks. Now. Hey, thanks for giving me a reason to drink at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about craft beer now. Uh, this is delicious. It has a perfect piney bite. Super killer. Uh, their can art's always amazing. Um, how about you? Let's talk about your first craft beer from that first bass, sipping it with your friends to something that opened you up to more the art of beer. What would be that first craft beer experience? You know, it was probably somewhere on the road. Um, you know, uh, uh, Zachy was always the guy that was bringing around some different IPAs and stuff. And um, I, th- I want to say there was, there was a couple of them like uh, Bell's Two Hearted Ale. I think oh, it was yeah. one of the first. Uh, it was one of the first ones where I was like, I could really get into this kind of this kind of beer. You know, it was like before that it was a lot of lagers, a lot of, uh, you know, Guinness was a staple before that for me. I loved Guinness. Um, but I believe that was kind of like my first introduction to IPAs. Um, I guess, I guess I could go back a little further and say a Sierra Nevada, uh, Indian Pale Ale. Um, a few of those when I, when me and shadows would go up and get tattooed in, in NorCal, uh, we'd always make a stop at, uh, at a restaurant that serves really great steak and we get, uh, Sierra Nevadas with it. I don't know why that was just like every, every time we'd, we'd go for a weekend and go get tattooed up North and we'd drive up there together. And, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd stop in and, and grab a Sierra Nevada and a steak. And, um, so I guess, I guess between those two was kind of when I first started getting into IPAs now craft beers, you know, it's like, uh, I guess that's considered more when it's, uh, uh, more of a local kind of, uh, beers that, you know, have, you know, um, a lot of those I picked up in San Diego, uh, mm-hmm. visiting, um, uh, my wife's friend's family. That's, that's a little removed there. Sorry to go down that road. But yeah, my wife's friend's uh, parents had a condo in San Diego and uh, we'd go down there and check out some of the local breweries there. And that, was, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. San Diego has a killer craft beer scene. Just super exciting. Always fresh, vibrant. Love it. Love it. Uh, now yeah. let's talk about you growing up. Uh, I want to hear about the soundtrack of your youth. Uh, when you were growing up, uh, what music was playing in your house when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Uh, well, I, I kind of had, uh, both sides of it, to be honest. There was, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, from my mother's side, she was an aerobics teacher. So, uh, in the eighties and that meant a lot of, uh, dance pop music of the time, you know, um, you know, in the eighties was Michael Jackson, Gloria Stefan, um, uh, to name a few there, there was so much others too, um, that I'm drawing a blank on right now, but, uh, a lot of that music. And then from my father's side, he was a big metalhead. Um, really? it, was, it was all, it was all Metallica, ACDC, um, uh, Black Sabbath, uh, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it was, it was all the, it was all the great hard rock and metal bands of the, of the seventies and eighties. Uh, that was really what I, what I grew up on, uh, before it was my, my decision to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. And I have not mentioned this on the podcast yet, but my mom was an aerobics, aerobics instructor as well. Oh, Rod. It's really, really. <laughs> we have a lot in common. Dude. Like we, got, we, got, we got beer and, and our parents like growing us up the same. There's, uh, there's got to be something in, something to that, right? It's unbelievable. My mom taught aerobics for many, many years, and it was a whole bunch of that exact style of music. And I discovered metal through my dad, mm. who was super into ACDC, into all the same bands. They could have That's been amazing. friends. Very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, but I enjoyed both sides of it, to be honest. You know, on the way to school, I'd predominantly get uh, dropped off by my mother and we'd still listen to, we'd listen to the pop stations. And then when my dad picked me up, he'd put on the cassette at the time that was, you know, it was anywhere from all the uh, metal and hard rock acts I meant, I mentioned to Muddy Waters and Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, uh, you know, at a very young age, I learned to uh, have an eclectic taste for music kind of by force. And uh, I just kind of carried that with me because I mean, there was some stuff they put on that I didn't like, but for the most part, I was like, oh, I could get into this, you know? What would have been that first band that was your band, something that, uh, you know, you cherished, that was yours, that almost bothered your parents? 
Oh man. I don't know if there really was one, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, I considered guns and roses to be my band, even though my brother was the one that showed it to me, you know? Um, but I did take a, a stronger kinship to some of that stuff than, than, than my old, old two older brothers did. So it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, there would be uh, Guns N' Roses. Their first kin band, I guess Primus um, in the 90s was probably one that like no one else in my house had introduced me to. Um, I considered all the punk rock bands that I found, um, you know, I, I consider them mine, to be honest. But if I'm being completely honest, I found all those through my brother's CDs, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's hard to say, but... I, I've done a podcast with a couple of my heroes so far and no effects. And I, I told them, I was like, this is the, the first record that CD that I bought with my own money was Green Day Dookie and, uh, S and M airlines by no effects on the same day. And, uh, yeah, th- and th- those were the first ones that I was able to go down to the store with my own allowance and grab something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Pearl Jam was one too. I mean, Shit, man, it runs the gamut in me that I'm just like, and then of course, over the years, I'm the more, more music, uh, interested person in the family. So I, I've introduced them to several styles of music, but you know, at an early age, I was the youngest of a, of a family of five. So it was, it's hard to say I discovered stuff on my own because some of it I did, but it's hard to find the homegrown, I guess, would be a band that I discovered on my own too, you know, so it's hard to say. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk about your first shows now. Uh, how about the first show that you went to go watch your first live music experience? Do you remember that? Yes, very, very, very well. Uh, my grandfather picked me up and took me to see Metallica and Korn at the uh, Great Western Forum. Um, I yeah, That was the first live concert. I think I was 11 years old. Um, and they were on the Load Tour. And uh, Korn was just breaking out at the time. I mean, they had some success, but they were, they weren't the, the, the juggernaut that they would later be just in the matter of a couple of years. I feel like after they did that tour with Metallica and uh, yeah, that was a, it was a great experience. I remember distinctly my grandfather sitting next to me and falling asleep and it was amazing. <laughs> uh, he did that with everyone though. So again, I have two older brothers and they got to go to some other really cool concerts too. My, my grandfather used to work uh, staff pro and so he'd get uh, uh, discounted tickets for us and he'd take us to different concerts. And then he wasn't working staff pro anymore by the time I got to go to concerts with him. But he he, uh, he had the tendency, even though he was really a metalhead and loved the music, he just had a tendency to just like sit there and fall asleep to this live heavy bands just going nuts. I mean, one of the all time ones that I missed out on and I still bring this up to my mother that she so my dad was going to take me and my brother's. And I got asked out and it was Metallica and Guns N' Roses when the, together when they came through because I, my, my parents that thought I was too young for, or my mother rather thought I was too young for it. And to this day, I'm like, I was like in third grade, I was probably eight years old. So it might have been the right call, but I was also like, screw you. I really wanted to go to that show. <laughs> was that like 91? Was that with Faith No More opening? I, I don't remember who was open locally here because as, as you know, like different stents, you know, they might have a yeah, different yeah. opener. Uh, so I can't say for sure that was there because I was not there, but it was like, it was like 91. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm, I'm glad I was not at that Montreal gig. Cause that's when that was the, the big, that was riot the riot happened. Dude, you guys get, you guys get all sorts of riots. I, I was just rewatching. <laughs> I was just rewatching from 97. And I don't know if you're a wrestling fan at all, but I was rewatching uh, the Montreal screw job with Bret Hart. Hell yeah. And I was like, I was like, damn man. Like between that and that was only six years removed from like the same, I don't remember if it was the same amphitheater. It wasn't, no, it wasn't, no, no. Oh, two different arenas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, In 97, the the screw job was in the Montreal, um, was it the uh, Molson Center? Is it the Molson, Molson Center? Center? Oh, okay. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the 91 with uh, Guns N' Roses and Metallica was at the Olympic Stadium, which is a okay. notoriously horrible sounding uh, venue here. It's just like a giant concrete block. It looks like a spaceship. It's a disaster. It's an eyesore. They built it for the Olympics. <laughs> and okay. Yeah. It's, not, it's for, not, not, not for music concerts. No, it's yeah. basically been vacant for the past so many years since the expos have left us. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Gotcha. How about your first time on stage? First time like ever or first time prefer, uh, professionally? Uh, let's start ever and then work our way up to it. So the first time I was ever on a stage um, uh, doing anything w- 
was playing bass and it was like a, a middle school talent show. Hmm. And, uh, I think it was, it was in sixth grade and me and my buddies did, uh, a cover of blink one blink One Eighty Two's damn it. Yeah. And, uh, I played bass and sang, um, sure my vocals were terrible i found out later that i couldn't <laughs> sing but uh at the time i thought i could pull it off a little bit um you know it was punk i, I could sing a little bit of punk um but uh you know it was it was it was a lot of fun that was that was when i first had that attention i, I you know I, I i dressed the part a little bit I, I put a hat on sideways and thought i was you know the shit it was 12 years old uh 12 or 13 whatever it was and uh you know there was there were some girls who loved Blink-182 in the, in the front row that went to school with us that were just cheering us on. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I want to do. Uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have an inkling of an idea before that, but that was, that was the first moment that like, this is really cool to be on stage. And even if it's these five girls that are our friends just cheering us on, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> How about that professional time? Professional time, the first professional time would, would have been when I joined the band Avenged Sevenfold. And uh, that would have been in 2002. Um, the very first show was in Tempe, Arizona. I oh, remember yeah. that, we, that we drove out together on. And uh, it, was a, it was a, you know, a venue probably would have held 100 people to 200 people, something like that. And, uh, and we had, they had filled it up decently, I'd say at least halfway. So, I mean, it didn't look bad. At all. And so it was pretty, pretty intimidating. I guess the first look, I was just like, Okay. Okay. Let's go. Um, I had just learned the songs a couple of weeks prior and I didn't know what it meant to professionally play on stage. Like before you play on stage and you know, you, you have your mess ups and you kind of laugh about them and everything. But I was like, I took that way more seriously. So every wrong note or, or wrong change I would go to, I really like it stuck with me for a while after that. I was like, oh, I could do so much better than that. But I was like, you know, those nerves kick in the very first time. So I blame it on the nerves, but at the time we didn't get enough beer before we got on stage. <laughs> That's where I was going. I was going to say, how do you cope with your nerves now? <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's not so much anymore, but you know, no, no, for a while. And, uh, but we've, we've never been uh, big drinkers before shows or anything like that. Like uh, I think one time at the end, the end of that, that little like two week tour, I drank a little too many before we went on stage in San Francisco. And after the show, the guys were like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. And I was like, okay, cool. Because it was, it was like, uh, like the last four or five days of that, of that uh, two-week stint I did with the guys um, that they offered me the job to continue mm. to stay on. Yeah, yeah. There's a fine line enjoying beers before stepping up on stage. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very fine one. And you, have to, you have to really learn it. And it's different <laughs> for everyone, which is that, that's the super yeah. interesting. You have to learn it yourself. You have to know when is too much and what is too much. My guitarist yeah. has a, he's had a superstition for, for many years that he couldn't even have a sip because then he would play wrong. It was like a curse. Uh, yeah. he, he's gotten over it since I drag him out to all the craft beers bars around the world now. And he's a huge enthusiast as well. So he's, he's sort of forgotten that so that he can enjoy some craft beer with me. Yeah. Our late drummer was the same, um, you know, and, and I think we all kind of adapted that for a, for a very, very long time. Like there was, you know, at least a decade where none of us would even touch a sip before, uh, you know, going on stage. And then, you know, uh, here and there you're, you're in a place where you have an opportunity to go to a, a nice lunch and, and have a beer and you could do that. And you get to a certain maturity level where you can do that and not let it continue to perpetuate for the rest of the night until you hit the stage at eight o'clock and you're or nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, whatever the fuck it is, you know, and you've been drinking all day. That's uh, that's when it gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about the podcast. Let's talk about drinks with yeah, Johnny. Um, how did this start? Let's just start with one of those. It's, it's a boring question, but I am curious since I am a podcaster. Um, no, 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 no. It's, it's to me, it's not very boring cause I'm doing it. So I, I appreciate you asking that. Um, no, it, it really started off with a, with a conversation with the guys in the band and we uh, were talking about doing some YouTube stuff, and, um, some ideas like, does anyone have any ideas for our YouTube channel? It's, it's doing really well, but we want to want to add to it a little bit if we can here. And uh, my original idea was like, uh, it was revolved more around musicianship and playing and stuff. And I was like, well, how about, you know, I've got this bar. I just had remodeled my house and put a bar in it. And I was like, well, I got this bar. What if I, I want to learn how to make cocktails anyway. So what, I'll use this to kind of force me how to make cocktails. And 
is I'll, I'll learn how to make these cocktails and then I'll play a bass riff or a guitar riff or something that makes me feel the way that this, this cocktail makes me feel, you know, I'll come up with something. It'll be, you know, a five or 10 minute video of me showing how to make the drink and showing how to play the riff, whatever it may be. And it would be sporadic and everything. And then, um, over the time before we even started filming those, I was like, well, what if I made the cocktail and had some of our friends that are like local around come in and just like have a quick chat. And that would be, that would be the episode. It'd be like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minute episode, but we'll make it real quick. And, uh, I soon found out that those episodes would not go quick because everyone would, it'd be just like us hanging out. It's, mm-hmm. it's, my, it's my buddies hanging out at the fucking bar. I'm making the cocktails <laughs> and, we're, and we're shooting the shit. Right. I was like, well, that was, that was a nice try. And then my, I would send, you know, almost two hours of footage to, uh, to my editor and director and he, I, and ask him to make it a 20 minute video. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled it off a couple of times. And then a couple of times we were like, well, we'll make it two parters and everything. And it was, there was never a, a rhyme or reason when we released things either at the time when we were doing it on the Venge Sunfold YouTube channel. And everyone could go check those out there. They were a lot of fun. And it's just, it's fun to go back to those and see the evolution of what's happened because it was because of that, those chats lasting so long, my buddy was like, Hey, you know, we, I, I'll still make you the 20 minute episodes for, for the YouTube channel, but I think you should take the entire audio file that I have and release it as a podcast. And I was like, well, what the shit is a podcast? And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd heard the term before everyone's heard of Joe, Joe Rogan and things, things, things of that nature. But this was, I remember this was in 2019. We're only two years removed from, uh, literally the first episode I did was, uh, was a five minute episode in March of 2019. So we're literally coming up on the, on the two year anniversary. And as I said, it was a very different thing than what I'm doing now. So I'm learning how to podcast along the way. He's showing me stuff. I'm listening to other podcasters and going, you know, this is actually really cool because I've been on the other side of so many of these interviews where, you know, they're just trying to get a headline. They're just trying to get some kind of thing. It's not an actual conversation. They're asking you a question. They're not even really listening. Mm-hmm. They're on to the next question. And that's not fun. It's not fun for me. It's not fun for the, for the guy. I mean, I get it. It's his job. That's what the editor sent him out to do. You know, I, I totally get that. I've, you know, and that's, that's the way it's been done for so long. And, you know, these 20 minute interviews where, all right, give me your 10 questions. Let me just go at it and we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Um, I just lost the light. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I, I thought about that. I was like, well, how can I make it a little different? I was like, well, as you're doing a little icebringer with a, with a drink, um, but then, you know, you notice that some people don't drink. So, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's fine, you know, more power to them. So you don't get that icebreaker, but I was like, oh, how, how do I change it? How about I have this chat with these people, some I know, some, some who I haven't, and I'll send them the audio file before I, before I put it out. So they can be completely free of whatever they want to say. I can edit it. I know how to do that. It's super easy to pull something out if they don't want it. Um, but I send them a little thing, a little note says, hey, speak freely. Ask me questions. This is a conversation. This isn't, this isn't a, you know, an interview, uh, a traditional sense. And, um, we kind of went from there and then I learned that quickly that you can't be sporadic with the podcast. It's gotta be weekly at least. And I was like, Oh shit, I really got a lot of work to do. And I got a lot of learning to do real fast. And, um, that's kind of where we, where we started season two, we started banking some episodes and we're like, okay, cool. Now I know how to do this. And along the way we had a lot of hiccups. You know, we only had maybe six or seven episodes in person because mm-hmm. it was February of last year for see, for the start of season two and everything else we had to learn how to do this. So at every point that we were evolving as a show, I was having to learn something new, <laughs> which I take as a blessing. Cause I'm like, well now, like I don't have to have everybody in person, you know, um, moving forward, I'll be able to talk to people like yourself who are on the other side of the country or the world and they don't have, I don't have to wait till our schedules align. We can just make it happen. And then when our schedules align in person, hopefully we do that too, you know? And, um, it's all been a learning curve. And I mean, to, <laughs> I think I went a long way around the block to answer your question. No, that's no, perfect. I, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's where it came from. And, and now we've, 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 we feel confident, um, that we've learned a little bit of this business and as, as everything else, you could always get better at it. But 
Um, there's an art form to it and talking to people. And uh, I've never had a problem talking to people. Now that's not a problem, but uh, the, the art of podcasting and, and uh, icebreakers and, and uh, really just getting to know someone and listening to them um, is, is such a huge part of it. It's, it. You could talk to people, but listen to listening to people, as my wife would tell me, is, is not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that I learned very, very early on in the podcast was that I was going to listen to people because I also listened to a lot of podcasts prior to launching Vox and Hops. Uh, what, what podcasts were the ones that you were studying? Um, you know, the one that I, uh, my wife started listening to a lot of these um, uh, cult and murder uh, podcasts that she was turning me on to. And I was like, We'd be driving, you know, we go down to the desert or what have you, like a little road trip. And she started showing me this stuff and I was really interested in it. And of course, that was a very different way of podcasting because they're just, they're kind of just uh, historians going back and telling the stories behind it. But I was like, okay, and, you know, there's a voice to it. And when they come in and ask, you know, um, if you want to support the show, there's this way and that way to do it. And they always have these really cool voices <laughs> when you're talking about it. And I was like, okay, that's one way to do it. And, uh, and then I found, uh, uh, a wrestling podcast called 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Um, shadows turned me on to it and he's like, Hey, you're getting into podcast. Uh, you should listen to this one. It covers, you know, the, the Monday night wars and everything. Then that's where it started. Uh, if anyone else is a fan of that podcast, it started with the Monday night wars between WCW and WWF. And it has evolved in so much of just the in depth of, of, of the wrestling business at this point. And, uh, I started listening to that and, you know, there's a guy, the co-host is Conrad Thompson, really kind of getting things out of Eric Bischoff. Hmm. And I was like, that is the way to talk to someone, ask the questions, come back. And then like, if, and if you feel so inclined, call their bullshit and have some fun with it. (laughs) And that's what he would do. And I was like, that is a great way of podcasting because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And even if it's not a great way of podcasting, that's the way I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't bust anyone's balls too much, but, uh, you know, it's, it's mostly, it's mostly, uh, trying to get the, the guest over. I want my, I want my guests to come on the show and make it theirs too. I don't want yeah. it to be, just be mine. Um, I think there's an art to that. I think that's what, and then I, going back to 83 weeks, I think that Conrad has now, he's got like, I want to say half a dozen podcasts he does with these different wrestlers. So he's on podcasting every week. And he's a very successful man outside of this before he even started it. And, uh, and I was like, this is, this is really cool. Um, and I reached out early on last, uh, actually in 2018 and we got Eric Bischoff to come on our podcast and do a podcast. And I was like, when, when my producer, Sam was like, I'm going to get him. I was like, I kind of laughed at it. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, this guy was the CEO of fucking WCW in the nineties and the biggest height of the WCW. There's no way he's going to talk to me. Lo and behold, you know, we had a, we had a fun chat about beer and, and, and the nineties wrestling. And, uh, you know, now every once in a while I see him on TV, I give him a text on AEW and say, Hey, it's great to see you there again, man. Happy birthday. When it was his birthday, he texts me like, Oh, thanks Johnny. And hopefully we'll get to share a beer in person sometime down the line, but he's, he's in a different place. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to wait till our, our paths cross again. But so, you know, moments like that is another thing that really got me into podcast. I was like, man, I'd love to just talk to these people, you know, and get to know, like, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a super successful person like Eric Bischoff. Just anyone who's gotten to some level of success or something that they have an interest in and are, and are uh, following through with that. I want to know why they, why they do that. Like it, it could be a professional bowler or just like a, you know, like what was it? Did you see Kingpin and you're like, <laughs> I got to fucking do that. You know, I don't know. Like what, what is it? <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's just, you know, connecting with someone in a podcast format, you get so deep, you know, people very well from an instant of not knowing someone till the end of a podcast episode with a guest. I feel like there's a kinship that is formed just about every single time. And, uh, I'm excited to get out in the world (laughs) once we're allowed to do that and to meet the hundreds of people that I've spoken to throughout the past year. Um, and you know, to have that beer, in person, it's going to be a glorious, glorious moment. Uh, it was really easy for me with Box and Hops to get guests because I asked my friends. I imagine it was the same thing for you. Uh, but you do have a dream list because you got Eric Bischoff, which is amazing. Are there still some monster people on that dream list that you would like to speak to? Absolutely. And some of them, you know, um, 
Some of them are just heroes of mine that I actually have rubbed elbows, elbows with, but never actually sat down and had uh, an intimate conversation, for lack of a better term. Um, guys like uh, Matt Freeman and Lars and Tim of, of Rancid, of, you know, we've done warp Tours together, and they've always been so kind to me. Um, but I, we never really just sat down and had a chat like that. And I'd love to do that with them. Um, Les Claypool would be a great one. Oh, yeah. That's in the music side. Um, shit. I'd love to talk to the rock. I know that's a pretty big ask, but uh, so Dwayne cool. the rock Johnson, um, talk to him about his tequila, get after yeah. it, you know, and he's had such an amazing, amazing life. I don't know if you're watching the, uh, young rock on TV right now. Like, I'm not, no, no, but I, I ate up ballers. Oh, ballers. Great. I mean, Everything that guy touches, it's just fucking amazing. So I'd love to talk to someone like that. It's just like, why do you have the Midas touch? You know, you just clearly have the Midas touch. Like uh, no one brings up the Midas touch these days, but I, I, that's one person that I could say, he's just got the Midas touch, man. Everything he does is just fucking gold to me. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a long list of, you know, who's who that I would, you know, I'd love to talk to, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it did start out, uh, a lot of friends, you know, that's exactly where it started. And over the time, it's just, uh, I've got a great team. Uh, my producer, Sam has no fear when it comes to finding out, uh, the yes or no answer. He just goes out and, you know, that's how we've landed some, some bigger people that maybe not necessarily would have been on the podcast, but guys like giant A-list actors like Joe Baganello ended last season, you know, and, and, uh, if, if Sam hadn't pursued that one, over and over, I don't think it would have happened. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that you send the audio files to your guests after, before you release the episodes. Um, I've never done that, and I'm interested in that. How often does someone come back with a, could you please edit this out section? This section out, please. I would say it's pretty rare. Um, you know, because again, going back to uh, the way that I try to speak to someone, or it, it's more of a chat-based thing. I'm not really, I'm not... I don't need a headline out of anyone. I'm not trying to get a headline. Like I don't have a, I don't have an, a, a, a news editor or a magazine editor coming after me and trying to make sure, Oh, you got to get the headlines, kid. You got to do this. It's like, no, nah, you know, that's not, I, I have a, I have a very, very lovely gig in Avenged Sevenfold. This is just fun for me. You know, like, <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need all that stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking to become a journalist. I'm, I'm just generally enjoy having these conversations and getting to know people on a more personal level. As I said, guys I've known before that I haven't done that with or even very close friends. I want to get further into that, you know. Um, and that's, I guess that's just the extrovert in me. As I said before, I just, I, it really, I walk away from conversations like this one or other ones where I just shut up and listen, just energized. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, that's just, that's just what it is to me. So yeah, to answer the question more directly, I'd say it's been a handful of times. Um where it's just, it's something simple. And they're just like, Hey, you know, um, they've never really said that before. And I'll get like, it usually comes from a publicist. That's I was going to say that. Yeah. And I totally respect that. That's their job. And they're supposed to, they're, they should be protecting their clients with well wishes. And, um, and I totally respect that. That's where it comes from. That's what, that's why I send it to them. Cause I'm like, yeah, totally. I, there was an, I got enough, we had a great conversation regardless if I got something that they've never said before or not. Mm-hmm. It's a great conversation. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Cause it's, you know, it's me as if we were to run in each, into each other at a bar or a party, I say, and just sit down and, and have a chat. I love that. It's all about connection. It's, yeah. it's, I love that. Absolutely. I love that. Has there ever been a conversation that has gotten away from you that you wish you could redo? Hmm. Several. The early ones, I'd say. <laughs> I'd say the early ones. I'd say, well, I wouldn't say gotten away from me. I mean, at, there's such a learning curve for me because I just went in and uh, I started releasing the audio before I even knew what podcasting was. Like mm-hmm. our producer mm-hmm. was, uh, or our director was releasing the audio and I was just like, oh, I, I was more focused on the video side of things, which is very different. And, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of over talking some people at the beginning. I, I have to be completely honest with that where I'd be like, um, I would listen to them, but I would also be like, Oh, that's really funny. I know where to go from, from there. I'm a, I'm a stand up comedian all of a sudden. I know how to do this. <laughs> I don't. So, uh, you know, it's like, it, it, it was a learning curve. There was one like, 
who I'm really good friends with, Smelly of No Effects. He's a great dude. And, and um, you know, that's one where I get a lot of comments where like, oh, just let him talk, guy. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, man, we were having fun. And I, I didn't even see it as me uh, stepping over any toes. But um, I guess when I look back at it, I'm like, ah, I, I could have could have backed off a little bit more. But like, I guess those are the things. So like getting away from me, I haven't really had that yet. I've had moments where like, just learning moments in general where I'm like, I could, I could have done that better, but, um, I haven't really had ones yet. Knock on wood where I'm just like out of my element and this guy's just beating the shit out of me or something. I don't know. I just, I, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to put them over anyway. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat them down so they don't try and beat me down, you know, mm-hmm. but however, whatever, for whatever reason, I haven't felt like I've just been completely lost yet. Excellent. We don't want to feel like that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I don't know if this has ever happened or if, if you've released something like this, but uh, uh, Cryptopsy just released uh, our own craft beer. Has Avenge Sevenfold ever released a craft beer? We have not. Um, we've discussed it. I mean, shit. We discussed it probably 10 years ago, the first time. And, uh, you know, at the time, I think maybe only Kiss and Iron Maiden had had a beer and they mm-hmm. were, and they were, uh, you know, they weren't the beers that they are now. Like, like Iron Maiden's beer is good beer now, but like 10 years ago, I felt like it was a little bit more novelty. You know, they went mm-hmm. with something that, that they could put Eddie on and, yep. you know, but over the years it's gotten, it's a, it's a good fucking beer now. Um, and, uh, and those guys are awesome. I don't know much about the kid. I've only seen kiss wine. This is a funny story. I'll go back. I'll, I'll digress here for a second. If you don't mind, go for it. The first time I ever saw kiss on alcohol was my grandfather and grandmother had like a row of these kiss wine bottles. And I was like, they don't listen. They listen to jazz and classical. <laughs> and I was like, why do you guys have this? And it was because they found them at the 99 cent store. No way. And I was like, do you, do you know that that actually might be worth some money? Like, (laughs) they had no idea. They just saw like a fucking wine that had like a, like a crazy label. I mean, they were, I mean, by the time Kiss was around, they were probably the the, the parents going, you can't listen to Kiss, you know? (laughs) Um, but that was the first time I saw, I saw Gene Simmons with his tongue out on a wine. I was like, I was like blown away. I'm like, there's no way my grandmother knows what that, that is. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just funny. And then like come to find out it was a, it was a fucking, uh, a 99 cent store fucking buy. I was like, damn, that is rad. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. No, we've never had a beer. We've, uh, we've, we've discussed it many, many times and just, uh, it's never been the, I guess it's never been the right fit. And you know, is this having we, like beer companies approaching you when you, you mentioned discussing it or is it within the band? Mostly within the band. And then we, we kind of, you know, I guess the thing is with us is we all kind of have different tastes in a way on beer too mm-hmm. and, and different ideas of the way it should be done. And we're very, I'll say, uh, uh, political about the way we make decisions. Like everyone kind of knows their role. We've been doing this for a long time, but at the same time, everyone has a vote. So if we're not all on board together with the way something gets done, it doesn't get done. That goes to music, merch, shows, everything. Nothing gets done unless it gets the seal of approval from everybody because we know that we all want the same thing and we all have a skill set and a, an idea that that would that will help us all together. So I think that's I think that in a beer itself because as you know beer is 
it's an opinion. It's a taste. <laughs> like, so if you, if you got a different way of, 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 of enjoying beer, then it might be different, you know? And that, I feel like that's gonna, that, that has been a bit of a hindrance. I, and I, you know, and a couple of years ago, every, every band under the sun came out with a beer and that was, and we were like, let's let that settle for a little bit. We don't want to be, you know, among, you know, which is funny coming from a guy who got into podcasting two years ago, like the hundred, the hundredth million podcast out there. I was like, yeah, I could throw my hat in that fucking pool. But uh, yeah, it's just, we didn't want to like throw our hat in the pool at the same time, I guess too. You guys could make a mix pack. That'd be super sick. Where each beer, pack. where each beer in the pack is one of your beers for each member. Dude, that would be amazing. There was one, there was an idea that like, I think we started years ago. Cause like, uh, when Jimmy was still with us, he, he had the idea of releasing a beer, not, non Avenged Sunfold. He just wanted to call it fat dog hmm. and he had a whole song, I, you know, grab, grab yourself a fat, fat dog. And, and it was, and we're like, why would you call it fat dog? Like, you make it a seven pack. Like, why, why would you make a seven pack? <laughs> Cause it's cool. <laughs> no, no, no. It was more than just being cool. It was because, well, you're standing at the store, you see a six pack of beer next to you and a seven pack of beer. <laughs> You're going to get that extra beer. You're going to get that extra fat, fat dog. And that was, that was the idea. I was like, man, I got to make that fucking beer one day. Cause that, that would be amazing. That's a good idea. <laughs> How about a, a beer for you though? A drinks with Johnny brew. What beer would that be? What would you call it? Oh, I, I, um, funny enough. Um, I've been, uh, stirring the pot on that already. Um, good. Um, so I, that, cause I mean, that's on brand, right? It's gotta, gotta have a drinks with Johnny beer. And, uh, I think the, I think the hardcore fans would love it. And those, those who are of, of, of the age to enjoy it. Um, so I've been talking to a couple of breweries about doing that. Um, I, you know, I don't want to give away the name just yet, but, uh, I, th- and we haven't, uh, flavor profiled just yet, uh, either, but in my head it, for, for what I like is going to be. Probably something in the in the double IPA, maybe even triple IPA, um, with a little citrus to cut that extra butter. I like uh, uh, bitter, sorry, not butter. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, that's what I go to. I like the I like the big, heavy, crazy, high content um, uh, IPAs, um, and but I like them to have like a good flavor that cuts in with it well. Like a like a citrus seems to be a really good go to that kind of smooths out a, a really heavy IPA. Um, one of my favorite ones is the, uh, palace point, uh, watermelon Eldorado. That's, oh, yeah. a, that's a double. And when I first tasted that thing, man, I was like, this is brilliant. And then I realized it was 11.7%. And I was like, why am I getting so drunk? Oh, it's 11.7%. <laughs> and as you, you know, you could have a, you could have a spirit that's a lot higher than that, but you're having a shot of that. You're not having an entire beer of that. You're not, you're, and there's something different. And maybe you could help me out here because you're, you're really heavy into the crafts. What is it about, you know, a heavy IPA beer that gives you that different drunk where you're just like, you're almost stoned. Like you're just kind of like, a, I, I, me and my buddies call it koala beer. Cause you just kind of like <laughs> sit there and you kind of feel like a koala after a while. Like, like fuck man, it's, it's not the let's get up and party beer, you know? <laughs> I think it's the way that we sip it. Cause we sip it some with, with a big gulp of a beer. So you're, yeah. you're ingesting stuff much quicker uh, versus you, you know that a shot of something is dangerous. So you, you tend to approach oh, it. You're supposed to know that it's dangerous. Yeah. That doesn't have, you're, you're, you're presuming something of me there, bud. <laughs> Whereas a beer, you're going to gulp it no matter what. If it's a 6.5, a 4.7, or an 11.7 beer, you're still going to attack it with the same vigor. It's not like sipping on a glass of wine where you're just wetting your lips. Mm. It's a different experience. I think that's what it is. Yeah, uh, I'll go with that. <laughs> let's wrap this up with a classic wrap-up question. Uh, it probably never happens to you, you know, because uh, you know you don't enjoy drinking very much. But it, every once in a, <laughs> every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Oh, I have a few. Um, over the years, I learned a few different ones. One of them from the late great Vinnie Paul and my drummer Jimmy, the Rev Sullivan, was Pedialyte. Mm-hmm. Pedialyte will definitely help. You know, the, I'd say about eighty-five to ninety percent of your hangover is the dehydration that you're getting from alcohol and putting any kind of rehydration in. Um, I, I later uh, got a buddy of mine turned me on to a thing called Rescue Water um, that does the same thing. Um, and it actually has some, so, some other vitamins and stuff in it that are specific to helping your liver recover as well as hydrate it at the same time. 
So that's a great, that to me, that's a great one. Sounds like a um, great sponsor to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to hit him up for that, actually. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, giving him a, I'm giving him a free plug right now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, there's that. And then I swear by, you know, no matter how bad you feel, if you could get out and get some sort of exercise and kind of start to sweat it out or even just hit the sauna or steam room and just, you know, try and rejuvenate. I mean, there's a reason why two things about Helsinki and Finland in general are true. One like super high per capita drinking population Two, the most sauna uh, 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 bathhouses of any, any places in the entire world. And there's a correlation there. If you're super hungover, you're, you got like ice all the time. I mean, you guys are, you guys are pretty up North. You got ice quite often as well. And you just, you go in there into a hot room, sweat it out and then run outside. I've seen these motherfuckers just mm-hmm. run outside by the lake or just jump into the snow and then come back and do that two or three times. And it gets the adrenaline going. It sweats out the alcohol. I mean, uh, at, as we all know, ice baths, things like that are really good for your body. And we're learning more and more about that, like freezing it up a little bit, the cryo stuff. And, you know, there, there's something to that. I've never heard that answer. I like that one. I like it very much. <laughs> Johnny, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having yeah, a chat course, with man. me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. Um, Absolutely. I'm super stoked to have you on the Sound Talent Media Podcast oh, Network. Oh, thank you. Welcome to the Podcast Network. I'm very stoked about it. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had a blast with Johnny. It was really baffling to see how much we had in common growing up, both of our mothers being aerobics instructors, uh, discovering rock and metal from our fathers. Um, He went on to become a huge international rock star playing stadiums all across the globe. I ended up playing an extreme death metal band. It's funny how when you start at the same place, you can end up in the same sort of place, but at different levels. And I'm stoked about that. I'm very excited I had the chance to connect with Johnny. Uh, His podcast is awesome. If you haven't checked it out, you absolutely should. I was super stoked when he joined the Sound Talent Media Podcast roster. Killer podcast, uh, killer host, and I'm stoked to do more things with him. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the updated links to the live interview Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs and the updated links to the brutal awakenings playlists which are available on both spotify and apple music and is curated by my man jerry monk the metal architect himself do it people sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list because i don't want you to miss a single thing the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media i have two more episodes coming up this week one on thursday and another on friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.